Hello, Retro Encounter listeners. I feel like I need to apologize for today's recording. Three panelists recorded an episode while I was on vacation, and the recording settings and sound quality were quite messed up. One panelist in particular comes through with poor audio. I also didn't have much time to edit the episode because I was out of town for about a week and then sick with the flu for another full week right after. I've only just recovered. But I take full responsibility, as I'm the main showrunner for the podcast and edit most of the episodes. I almost threw the entire recording out, but I didn't want to skip a week, and I couldn't get a new episode set up on short notice. It's also a pretty good discussion between three smart, insightful panelists about a really good game, and I didn't want to sell them short on it. But again, I apologize for the poor audio quality. So, with my deepest apologies, here is a very messy episode 118 of Retro Encounter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Retro Encounter. I will be your host for today. My name is Christopher Gebauer, and I am being joined by Dong Hee Kim and Rob Rogan. Hello. And we are here to talk about Undertale, a little indie gem from a couple years ago that the three of us have only just gotten around to playing. So this is episode 118, and we're doing Undertale. The RPG where you don't have to kill people. At least that's what the tagline told me, and I tried very hard to make sure that was the case. So guys, uh, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but what what are what were your familiarities with this game? Had you tried it before, thought about it, had you been caught up in the hype when this game seemed to take the world by storm back in 2015? Um, so I mean, I was definitely aware of it. Uh, it was it was one of the one of the games that's you know on, on your on your wishes on your Steam wish list for forever yeah, right. before you buy it. Um, and, and I remember uh, you know Alana actually really talking it up um, after she yeah. had played it uh, pretty recently. Um, and this was the perfect opportunity for me to finally go ahead and splurge and and and, uh, and pick it up. You know. Yeah, totally. How about you, Donkey? Um, for me, it was yeah. I just mostly just read about it on all the Game of the Year lists in 2015. <laughs> I picked it up during the many Steam sales, and it kind of sort of—it's kind of sort of just been sitting in my backlog since then. Yeah, it's uh, kind of exactly what happened to me in a weird way. I, I picked it up. I think I mentioned this to you before, but it was like a—it was like a year ago. There was a Steam sale, and I finally told myself I would play it, and of course didn't because I'm a, I'm a jerk when it comes to actually <laughs> playing games on PC and Steam, unless it's PUBG. And uh, for whatever reason, I really had to wait for similar to what you said Rob I waited for Alana's review I wanted to see if it would play well on specifically Vita because I have a weird obsession with that handheld <laughs> and uh, when I heard that it you know the port was great I uh, I just felt obligated to finally play it and conveniently this podcast came along and I was like oh wow this this matches up flawlessly why not take advantage of it right. and uh, I gotta say I was really shocked because personally I did play it on um, the Vita and that game uh, worked really well on a small screen. Did you guys play it on PC? Oh well, yeah. Uh, I, and, um, I had to kind of shock at first because the like the game starts up in this tiny. I'm pretty sure it's lower than like 800 by 600 resolution box. Oh really? Yeah. I was like, how do I get this to full screen? <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, yeah, baby. I mean, it's, it doesn't even fit the full screen of the Vita. There's a little bit of a cutoff on the side, so I'm sure <laughs> maybe actually, ironically, it is a little bit better there. But how about you, Rob? Yeah, uh, PC as well. I had the same reaction initially. I was like, huh, oh, it's one of these. <laughs> all right, all right. One of these tiny games. Yeah, all right. That um, that doesn't work on modern things. It seems like. Yeah. Um, but actually, when when you when you get it to full screen, um, I mean, it looks it looks fine. Uh, it, I mean, it is what it is as far as as far as you know, uh, graphic quality. You know, it's it's right, right, right. Um, and it looks absolutely fine. And played and ran absolutely fine for me as well. So now, I guess the real question about this game is. What was it like for you going through that whole opening of the ruins? And what choices did you make? And by that I mean, how did you handle Toriel? Go ahead, Dom. Did you try to go for pacifist <laughs> run from the beginning? Or were you were you kind of seeing how the game would go? and Or trying to just do the, the crazy kill everyone kind of run? Because yeah, I, gotta, I gotta admit that pretty shamefully, I kind of went into this game going, you know, I want to try a pacifist run. I wonder what that's like. And going through the ruins... Uh, I was both, uh, right, I guess right before the ruins, I you know, was really charmed by this character, Toriel, and I tried to, what I thought would be how to get through her peacefully, and it didn't seem to be working. And so I thought that potentially this was a moment in the game where they're like, well, you have to learn how to fight. So, you know, you fight for a little bit, and then maybe that's how you get through her. And I ended up murdering her <laughs> and hated myself incredibly and uh even before i spoke to the flower in the next room restarted mm. so I was like this can't mm. be the way this works <laughs> and then i learned very quickly that even after finally doing the pacifist uh, approach to that boss the flower knew that i had reloaded after <laughs> killing her and chided me for that and i was like what the hell is happening <laughs> uh and that was my and i always heard I mean, you guys mentioned it too about all the articles and reviews written about this game and top ten lists. I I knew it would do weird uh, kind of subversions of how you expect an RPG, especially a light menu one like this, very much in that old school styling, uh, but like an eight bit aesthetic. I, I just I was not expecting that kind of meta commentary right from the get go. Right. Um... So I, I I halfway was similar to you in that uh I was somewhat lost there um where I was like yeah. had had the same reaction I was like well this must be you know I must be meant to fight and win here right um, <laughs> it's part of the tutorial is the beginning of the game right um but unlike you I I I went through and I was like well it should be better from here I shouldn't have to worry so much about it um unfortunately I mean we we'll probably get to it later on unfortunately I I didn't take the uh, complete pacifist attitude. Um, throughout, as soon as I started realizing I was getting XP and gaining levels, which I came to regret later on. But yeah, initially it was well, you know, this must be how you're supposed to kind of put your, you know, dive in, get your feet wet. Oh. Unfortunately, not. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, the beauty of this game is you can do it however you want, which is right. kind of awesome. You know, and it. We always. T- I always feel like, especially with major RPGs that claim that they have a lot of choices and all the rest of it. There's always this feel of like, yeah, my my actions are really affecting this world, and usually it ends up just being a, you know, the old Mass Effect uh, conundrum of it's just paradigm or renegade and a paragon or renegade, and that's that's it, and it doesn't really change the ending. It just makes you feel like you played it differently. Right, right. Whereas, yes. <laughs> I mean, and we'll, I mean, we're gonna flash forward just a tiny bit, but when you have that conversation with Sans at the end, mm-hmm. and they break down level. 
yeah. and and love and, and and experience, and you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, you're like, oh, oh man, I'm so screwed. <laughs> oh, what did I do? You're like, uh, you guys, you guys saw that, huh? All right, all right, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Reflect upon your actions. I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, it's like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible person. I mean, I and I love that the first uh, just walking out of the the ruins when you get to the other side of the door. And I think it's the first bush. If you try to interact with it, it says there's a camera in the bush yeah. watching you. I was like, what the hell? And of course that comes into play later. But from the beginning, I was just like, what is this? Is this an experiment? Like, is this actually a, a mystical underworld? What the hell is going on here? And of course that reveal doesn't come to fruition until really close to the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought that every weird talking... I mean, you, it sounds like you guys actually fought a lot of monsters. But did you try talking to any of them or trying to see how to disarm them? I'm doing that in air quotes, which of course is great for a podcast. <laughs> but did you try disarming them with actions and seeing how that would play out? So I, I, I did a lot, actually, uh, initially, especially initially on. Um, okay. But uh, embarrassingly, I, I started getting annoyed with it. Right, so just you know, I'm just gonna knock yeah. these monsters out really quick and just kind of get through this. Um, but Interesting. It, but it was, but it, again, it was the it was the getting to bosses, right, and realizing yeah, yeah. that to be more powerful seemed to make things a little easier. Um, but therein is the rub, right, because for the bosses, you don't mm-hmm. really need to be more you don't powerful. Need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really, really kind of came to a head for me at the end there when I realized all of the mistakes that I tragically made the entire way through the game uh, I mean I, I, I wasn't sure. killing everything um, but at one point when I'm trying when you're trying to explore the random encounters aren't too bad in this right the, the, the actual rate uh, yeah it's a it's pretty friendly in comparison to you know the grind heavy games that I think most of us played in our childhood right right um, but at, at one point I was like all right uh, let me just let me just kill these guys here really quickly and just move on and mm-hmm. uh, and big mistake big mistake so Okay, because since I I ended the game actually on level one, so I'm gonna be really curious to figure out how this all kind of played for you guys because it's gonna be so 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 different from my experience. But for you, <laughs> Donkey, were you killing everyone or were you kind of getting through it quickly, kind of like what Rob was saying? I for the first hour or so the act button during the battle system mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. didn't exist. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, interesting. But, but like that was better just like by like. one thing I, I, that kind of... Because I died way more than I think the average player will in this game hmm. because I was... For even just random encounters, I'd be like, okay, I think this is, you know, whatever act option I should use. And it's not working. And then I would get frustrated, didn't want to burn, like, a healing item, and it would kill me. And I'd be like, okay, so I guess that was the wrong thing. Go to the next one, try something else out. And so they all became these mini-puzzles. 
But what I do like is that every creature type, it's the same prompt that will, you know, set up the mercy, the sparing. Right. And so once you know it, it then just becomes, okay, I need to, you know, get to the mercy option for you. Do I trigger it right away, or do I wait until I stack up all three of the monsters I'm facing on screen, and then use the mercy option to eliminate them all, or is or is the hitbox area with your heart uh, just is it too crazy with projectiles that I need to eliminate them one by one? Right. And in the end, like this game ended up being like a bullet hell, a non-combat <laughs> bullet hell for me. Yeah, definitely. Or a minigame RPG without actual leveling. Which is crazy. Uh, and I guess, uh, for the sake of people who maybe haven't played, what's really cool about Undertale is when your enemies take an action against you, attack you, your heart, your actual heart of your character, is in a box at the bottom of the screen, and you have to dodge the enemy's attacks to not take damage. So it's not a standard turn-based thing where it's, I do my action and attack, or not attack, and then the other person, or monster, gets their action, and it's just attack, and depending on your stats, you take X amount of damage and hope for not for a critical kind of thing. It's actually a much more involved system where you can literally dodge the attacks. And I'm sure that there are people on the internet who've done speedruns where they've never taken a single bit of damage. <laughs> but that whole mechanic, at first, it took me a while to kind of get into the bullet hell mindset and actually comfortably start adjusting to every encounter. Like, uh, like I think about games like Cuphead more recently where if you haven't played a bullet hell or if it's not a genre you're very familiar with, there's a difference between I am trying to shoot something and then realizing that actually most of what you're trying to do is dodge and just hope your bullets mm. are hitting. And that kind of switch, I, I mean, that, that whole gameplay style was not what I thought I was going to encounter coming into this. And it's, which is stupid, because I've seen clips, <laughs> I've seen how the game plays, hypothetically, from, again, plenty of articles and all the rest of it. But it still didn't register. And then the way they use that mechanic for a lot of humor, and they change it up with different bosses and all the rest of it. Like for me, uh, a really fun one was the Spider, Muffet. I thought yeah. that was a really cool one. That minigame. Frustrating. And, yeah. I, and it was crazy, and I loved it, because it was just so, so different. And the way in, in that fight, just like with against Undyne, how the heart color change, or even with Papyrus and how that will change how the game plays. That was pleasantly I mean, again, you, you kind of know going into it, but then you really don't, it doesn't really hit you until you're actually playing it. Um, yeah. It, it also took me a little bit to get used to it, but once once I did, well, I'm not going to lie and say I was got used to it. I got better at it, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. I um, think that's a very good way to put it. But um, but yeah, it was, it's very engaging, a very a very cool way to do battle um, in an unexpected way in, in, in how the game is presented to you initially, right? So you don't really expect mm -hmm. that, as you said. Um, but they did some really cool stuff with that mechanic. They keep it fresh. And, you know, fortunately, it's not a long game, so I think there's also... Uh, it should be stated that I think it, it, the game itself is designed in a perfect honeymoon phase hmm. where I don't think anything overstays its welcome because of the length of the game mm -hmm. and because of how dynamically different the endings can be depending on how you play it. Uh, there's great replay value. Absolutely. And especially with RPGs, it's, it's not easy to usually find a game where you finish it and you actually feel compelled to play again because usually it's a 20 to 120 hmm. hour journey. Yeah, right, you know, like right. I got, I need a break. I did that for a while. Give me some time. No. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's the combat's bizarre and fun, and I'm sure with you guys when you were doing the straightforward fighting, I mean, outside of the dodging, it, in that case, it's really just do your damage, and then bit by bit it stacks, right? Like, I think that's what I noticed mm-hmm. in the Toriel battle. The more you're attacking, the more damage you do, or is that actually not how that goes throughout the game? It, se- it seemed to. Not- so, I... I don't want to misrepresent how often I fought or how often I. Uh, sure, sure. Well, I'm just, I'm just I, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. I ended the game at level ten, so I did a quite a bit, oh, okay. quite a bit of fighting, right? Um, I believe mm-hmm. it was ten, but I did notice that mechanic on at least at least some bosses, because um, those are those were the longer battles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed it seemed that your it seemed like your your damage stacked, um, as you as you actually did damage, um, but I don't know yeah. if it was I don't know if it was constant across every battle. It it may have been. I don't know if you noticed that, Dunghee, while you were playing, but there's there was some character that I remember, an NPC, actually mentioning that, or like a, a, a stone, that's, that's why I, I thought oh, to ask, gotcha. that the more damage you do, like or the way they described it was something like, the more resolve you have in doing damage to someone, like the more you want to hurt them, the more it will break their spirit. Hence, you'll do more damage. I remember reading that just being like, oh my god, that's... And then thinking back to the Toriel fight where my final hit, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm just going to get her down to half health with this, and then she'll relent, and I did 333 on the next hit and killed her, and I was like, whoa, that is that is not even close to the number that popped up before. And that was part of why I was also so shocked when she died, and then I got the depressing death speech, and I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to sleep well tonight. But... Uh, it's it's so interesting how almost every little bizarre mechanic and thing actually has a relevance to the world building of this very crazy little magical place. Like I, I I just I love how it seems like everything adds in. Yeah, and and it does a great job of kind of self-referencing too, right? Later on in the game, oh, yeah. where you, yeah. they'll 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 revisit something, some something little, something small, but you'll remember it and it'll just give you a chuckle, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's I know this. Uh, so this word is used a lot for particularly indie games, right? Um, but I found the game just charming, right? And I know I know people overuse that word a lot. Um, no, no, no. Just, but this is a game I think that it fits. Yeah, everything about it, right? It, it yeah. just from 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 start to end, fully enjoy the game, fully fully immersed actually, which which is kind of amazing for like in you know eight bit sprite game, right? Yeah. Um, but completely immersed in it uh, and the story and 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 the characters really. Like That's, the, yeah. It's the, the way the, the I, I cared about the characters. Like as as short of a game as it is, and the kind of game it is, I actually really cared more about these characters in this game than I have in some AAA, you know, big mm-hmm. budget games I've played over the last few years. Uh, it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Speaking of which, are there any moments or uh, interactions or characters that, whether it was from the word go or just how it all progressed, you were like this guy or this girl? Is the best. <laughs> like this, this whole scenario <laughs> is just amazing. I, it's sad. <laughs> okay, so for you, a big one. Yeah. I really like that later on. Yes. <laughs> okay. Totally. Um. I have to say, with uh, sorry to just no. quickly interrupt, just to piggyback on that, I, I had to make a note of it when it happened, and I usually don't make notes when doing games for the podcast, but there were so many little things, and I was like, wow, that's just brilliant. And the first one, one of the first ones for me was. The first cut to Sands for him to wink at the camera with the yeah. bottom tish when he says, "I've been doing a skella ton of work," and then it zooms in on him. He winks and zooms out, and I legitimately 
half dropped my handheld and just started laughing going out. Oh, I'm gonna love this game. Like I know I'm gonna love this game because they just are having way too much fun with the fact that it's bizarrely absurd. <laughs> um, yeah, I felt the same way in that moment. Actually, now that you mention it, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a uh, you know I really think I'm gonna like this game. I think it's, it's gonna be a good time. Uh, but I, I think yeah. my there's so many great characters, but I, I think Papyrus is probably um, at the top of my list. He's just so, he's he's so uh, he's so overconfident, right? Um, at the same time, so terrible uh, and 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 supposedly so evil, but but so nice, right? Uh, yeah, just and actually, just dynamic. tremendously insecure yeah. <laughs> and just desperately trying to prove himself. Just wants friends. This, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this false bravado of I'm gonna get it done. Yeah, oh, but awesome. really enjoy the entire. Uh, every interaction with Pyrus was was amazing to me. Just like call him up later as well. Yeah. <laughs> and just get goofy little anecdotes from him. Did you guys also every once in a while just you know call the contacts on the phone like let's see what you know let's see what funny thing these guys have to say. Um, was, I called Pyrus like every single level. Did you? Nice. Interesting. Cool. 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 <laughs> I only called a few times because early on I kept trying to call Toriel and she just never would respond. Yeah. Uh, if you save her, because even if you even if you save her, when you leave the ruins, she says never come back. Oh. Don't talk to me. Interesting. But she doesn't say it out of anger. She actually gives you this really long hug that says you'll understand it's better for both of us, kind of thing. Hmm. And it's coming much more out of a place of love than it is like how dare you. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of that. She just never answers. So yeah, I would call Papyrus every once in a while, and now that we're on the topic of him, did you guys do the date? Uh, I did. I believe it. Yeah, with Papyrus. Yes. I did. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting time. <laughs> that <laughs> may have been one of the yes. That is one very accurate word for that whole <laughs> encounter, and yet it was. I thought it was just delightful <laughs> that there was the most unnecessary overlay of icons for a date <laughs> and how to make a date work and just like the constant oh god i just what a bizarre character now he somehow by the end of that wraps it around to being like i don't love you the way you love me but we'll forget that this ever happened this conversation didn't occur and we'll still be best friends because i'm a good friend like, i love how bizarrely idiotic these two these these friggin creatures are <laughs> And yet, again, it's so endearing. Like you said before, Rob, the charm is just ridiculous. I mean, clicking on a cactus in Toriel's house and the item descriptions on so many of the things you find in the world are just, they give you a little chuckle. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, the majestic cactus. What a wonderful plant. You're like, okay, <laughs> cool. Or every time you click on a mirror and there's your reflection, it goes, it's you. It's like there's just, there is that, extra level of attention to everything that normally you don't see in this kind of style of game where you could click on like there's that uh the battle with the God, in the snow it's in snowed in that area it's the dog that's in a snow pile and then pops up mm. a huge thing of armor right. but you can click on every one of those snow puffs and it has a different description of eventually ending up by telling you it's a snow puff. You're like, oh my god, and this one is another snow puff. Oh, but this one, yeah, it's a snow puff. It could have been the same line for every one of them, because that would totally make sense. It's the same line. 
it's the same thing that you're running into, just in a different part of this, you know, drawn-out map. And yet, to have the a completely different tag for each one, it just makes it seem like such a fun place to explore, even if it really is just a friggin' snow mound. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you want to see, like, what's next. As you need to, like, with interacting stuff with stuff in your inventory, because, like, because, yeah. um, at some point, like, did you pick up the dog residue? Yes, yeah, I, think I did get the dog residue. I, I did a little bit of gold grinding with that, and then like every time I dropped the dog residue from my from like the extra dog residue from the inventory, it was like it was pretty funny when it was like you dropped the dog residue from the inventory like a piece of trash it is. <laughs> it said that. Oh, I didn't know. That's amazing. I thought I imagined it, and I kind of still do to this day. Um, there's, I can't remember exactly where it was. It was sort of in like the waterfall area, where you go to pick something up, an item. You, it's like a secret room or something, and you go to pick... Oh, yeah, the sh- yeah that you, orb, right? Yeah, you go the to pick up the orb, and you're like, well, you can't pick it up when you have this dog. It's something, I forget what it was, in your inventory. I'm like, I don't have that in my inventory. Yeah. Oh, well, there it is. Yeah. All right. Interesting, interesting. Like, just little things like that, you know? Did you did you click on that dog to let him go I, and see what happens? I, I, I didn't, actually. Okay, so I apparently, I, I'm sure that this is what you have to do. So you can't pick up that orb, that secret orb. So I think from the piano, in the, in, they get mm. to play that piano tune. Right, right. And then you go through, and yeah, it says, like, if you want to pick up this red orb, oh, you can't because your inventory's full due to a dog or something like that. I was like, what? Like you, Rob. I was like, what the hell? I didn't, what dog? It's like, I have pet dogs, but I don't have a dog. <laughs> and then I went in, and it said, you know, it's like, Something dog, might have said disposable dog, but it said something dog, and I clicked use. And then all of a sudden, it goes back to where you're standing, out of the menu, and a dog just pops out of you, runs over, steals the orb, and leaves. (laughs) And that's it. And then what you're left with is dog residue. Yeah, the dog residue, I couldn't figure out what it was for except just a joke of it's just wasting more inventory space because you had a dog. And so to hear, was it useful for gold, don't he? Is that how it works? Yeah, there's a merchant later on who actually, like, um, buys the stuff in your inventory. And then since stock residue is basically just infinite items, you just, yeah, you can just sell it to him. No way. Is that in the Temi village? Yeah. Occasionally drops dog salad, which is, like, it's just a slot machine healing item. <laughs> it made for some very interesting. I didn't see any of this. I love it. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, by the way, did you, because Doug, he clearly found it. Did you find the Temi village, Rob? I did, but it was more towards the end. Um, <coughs> and I, for, I forget what made me want to revisit it. I think it was like in my notes or something. I was like, where the heck is this? Oh, you know what it was? Yeah, it yeah. was the... Um, I think it was the the you know River Sticks guy. Yes. Right? And I was that's like, I was I like, what it, is yeah. this place? What is this magical place? Yeah. Um, but they kept talking about it every time we try to sell something to somebody, right? And they're like, we don't we don't do that here. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you gotta go to that place. Yeah. Um, but I did end up finding it, uh, and it was, it was a very interesting place. <laughs> yeah, very bizarre place. Yeah. With one outstanding joke, that everyone's name is Temmy except for one of them, mm. and his name is Bob. <laughs> Just cause. <laughs> Just cause. Cause why not? <laughs> Look like Bob. I just see it. So, like, that's a great example of just random, clever writing that makes, uh, to me, like, the world building so much more in depth. 
this whole dog residue thing. Like, I had no idea that that would you could just keep selling it, or that you would get dog salad. I never came across any of that. <laughs> I don't know if this happened for you, because this is kind of similar uh, with just random items and how hilariously weird it is. Did you get the instant noodles from, uh, oh God, what's her name? The lizard scientist monster. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, from her from her fridge in her lab. Yep. That's, the instant noodles. I think so, yeah. Did you try using them in battle? Yeah. I did not. Amazing. So it's called instant noodles. And to me, this is a great ribbing of so many other games that have, you know, I think of FF15 as an obvious one. It's like, oh, you know, cup noodles or whatever the heck being items that they're claiming. It's like, oh, it takes only two seconds to you know, prepare. It's instant noodles. But the reality is, of course, to make noodles like that takes time. you got to heat water and all the rest of it. So in Undertale, you use instant noodles in uh, battle, and it goes through the whole process of a ton of scrolling, of preparing noodles, boiling water, or getting water, putting it in the microwave for four <laughs> minutes, and then three minutes, and then two minutes, and then you finally eat it, and it gives you like three health. <laughs> oh, man. Amazing. Amazing. And I died in that boss fight, and I was laughing, and I was so happy. I thought it was the greatest thing. That's... That that's the kind of attention to detail that you only that to me makes this so special because like we've said already a few times now, if you're just looking at the aesthetic and the art style and what they're trying to do there, it seems very simple. The palette is very limited, and yet because of all these little things, because of all these wonderful tiny moments, they all stack together, and it it really to me it's just. Like, outside of maybe the Souls series and whatnot, I'm not that interested in healing items and their lore or whatever inter- you know, whatever little thing comes out of them. Mm-hmm. And yet with this game, I'm almost trying healing items that I might need in a boss fight because I actually want to know if there's going to be a gag <laughs> or try to figure out if there's something weird by having this. It really shocked me, the depth in this game. And it's not depth of combat, it's just depth of really creative talent. Right. It's all one person, Toby Fox, and the soundtrack's great. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah, and I think one of the great things is, like, um, like recently, I think that, like, like you know, breaking the fourth wall and, like, meta humor and stuff, I recently, mm-hmm. like, I think that recently that's been, like, a bit overdone in games. Definitely seen like, more and more of it. Yeah, and, like, like I started to, I started to come to, like, actively dislike when games rely on, like, super meta commentary as sure. their like, like main plot twist later on. But I feel like for Undertale for Undertale for some reason, like I thought it was like pretty well implemented. And yeah. I never really felt like it was just like, oh, it's just for like shock value. It's like it's like stuff that's been it's like it builds towards mm-hmm. it's like fourth like breaking the fourth wall and all that meta commentary and stuff. Which I thought was like which I thought was pretty neat, especially given that this game came out know, like well before this whole like before yeah. it's that kind of writing. Yeah, before it hit the zeitgeist and very much has become a much more common thing. Yeah, you know, going off that, I think that now that we're going to overuse the term and people are going to like stop saying meta, but <laughs> what's interesting to me about when you're trying to kind of play the audience like that and be self-referential, the rest of it, it really needs a deft hand to make it work. And unfortunately, uh, this is going to sound much worse than I intended to, but 
you know, for the most part, not everyone's a great writer or a very creative writer when it comes to the scenario building and all the rest of it. And I think, unfortunately, that with even if the right intentions are behind it, it's not always easy to be able to pull off that kind of layered commentary or layered observation or self-referential observation. But, you know, the two games that I think recently have done it the best, I would say, is Undertale and especially the uh, South Park Stick of Truth. Mm -hmm. Because those are two games that, in very different ways, aren't just breaking the fourth wall verbally, but they do a great job of implementing mechanics, so actual gameplay mechanics that make fun of video games or undermine tropes of video games. Like the big one in South Park Stick of Truth, uh, and hopefully just even referencing this doesn't give us the explicit label for this podcast, but the, uh, I don't know if either of you played it, but there's a alien spaceship scene, and Randy is being probed continually. Yeah. And there are mini-games yeah. to save him from this fate. And as you're doing these button-prompt mini-games, it's actually very easy the first few times you do it. And then out of nowhere, instead of four, you know, just going, uh, if it's on PlayStation, you know, square, circle, X, triangle, all of a sudden it asks you for a hundred button prompts within four seconds, and of course it's impossible to do. And it's set up to just force fail you into seeing Randy get tortured a little bit. But it's one of those goofy things of like, okay, they're actually playing with the mechanics of the game for humor, which is not an easy thing to do. No. Or like the kids playing in the street, and then a car comes by and they have to stop because their kid's playing a game. And even if they're pretending they're superheroes or uh, wizards and dragon slayers at the same time, their kid's playing a game so a car would kill them, get out of the way of a car. It's like that, there's so much of that kind of stuff in Undertale. I mean, the obvious one we referenced before is the Sands explaining and judging you for your experience and levels. Again, those listening, mm-hmm. I did air quotes there. Very, very, very good. But how it turns out to be love, and then you think, oh, so leveling is love. Oh, but love means that I've been executed. You know, execution <laughs> points for experience, and their acronym for love is actually... I can't remember what it is right now, but it's... Yeah, thank you, level of violence, yeah, violence. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's when you that's when you wince, you're like, ah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like, oh, I... yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> now, what's funny is, I don't know, I'm sure you guys got a different line, is having not killed anyone at that point, he said, and so you have no love and yet are full of love for it, if that makes any sense. And I was like, oh, this is kind of clever. There you go, play with your little mechanic. <laughs> but... Yeah, I just, I love, I love, love, love that they that they could play off self-referential humor and uh, nods to the audience and subversions of mechanics and expectations, like you said before, Dumhi. It's like, look, at the end of the day, I've played RPGs. I'm supposed to grind. That's just what you do. And so even, I think it's really cool, it, it even hit that point for you where you're like, I know that this isn't 100% what this game is about. Like, I should try this. Be, you know, try acting and trying to figure out how to you know, deal with these monsters because at the end of the day, even if it's what you know, you're almost programmed to do because we've done it so many times before, the game doesn't make it feel good when you kill things. No. And I'm sure, again, I don't know because I didn't kill a lot of the bosses but, or any of them, but I'm sure the dialogue is probably kind of rough purposefully to make you feel 
bad. At least it was when I killed Toriel. Suf- sufficiently oh bad. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't remember the exact wording, but I think the one, that, the one that stuck out to me was the the two dogs, right? The two. Uh, I can't remember their names. Um, they're like oh, the executioner dogs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I don't remember the exact wording, but uh, what Sans, but um, made me feel the worst. I think I was like, man, really? Like they had dreams or something. It was just the most depressing thing. I was like, wow, because I mean, I, I think I, I I think I killed them, uh, Toriel, and I think Undyne. I think those are the only ones that I actually ended up. Oh, interesting. Killing. Okay. Yeah. Um. So ended. I I mean, I didn't do. You know, after the fact, I. I started researching some of the different endings and, and game uh, or playthroughs and all that. So I ended up getting a mm-hmm. new, the neutral ending, like one of the neutral endings. I guess there's a ton of them. Um, and it sounds like you guys probably got both. Oh, you pro- both probably got neutral endings? Is that... Well... Yeah, I, got, I got neutral. You got neutral? Okay. Yeah, I, I have the the pacifist ending, but you... technically I haven't done the extra dungeon part yet. So okay. I got a little bit more of a thing to do. So you... and then, okay. And it's officially done. That's interesting, because you, you said... Um, it remembered, right? It remembered that you killed Toriel in the. It in the did first remember. Day. But they still give you the pacifist. pacifist well, animals? that's what's interesting is it remembered that I, because I reloaded before saving after killing Toriel. Mm. So he goes, oh, so you reloaded? Basically, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm oversimplifying. It's actually a little bit more clever than this. But to paraphrase, he basically says, oh, I know what you did. See, normally I have the ability to save, but you've taken it from me. Mm. You think that that's, sh- you know, I was about to swear. You think that stuff goes unnoticed? And it was just a comment of like, yeah, I get it. You felt bad. You're trying to fix it, you jerk. But okay, like I, I see you. And that was just like a, whoa, <laughs> this evil flower with teeth. <laughs> it was really scary. Screw you, Floey. So so what did you – so I, I think the reason I was bringing that up um, is to kind of get back into that, that you know, the, yeah. the, meta, talk, the meta talk, right? Um, mm-hmm. at the, the For the neutral ending anyway, um, the flowy, flowy fight at the end – uh, involving save states, right? That was. I'm not yes. sure if you got. Did you got the same thing with the pacifist ending? I did. That was one of the most insane things that I've ever experienced, right? And it's, yeah. And it, but it was so simple. So I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how it worked on the. You said you played it on the Vita, right, Chris? I did. So I'm curious because on the PC, when the game exits, it completely like crashes, right? It completely exited out at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Had that worked? Did it completely do the same thing with the Vita, or did you get bumped to the title screen, or or how did that? You, you know what I'm actually, referencing? I actually, I know exactly what you're referencing. I honestly, I, like, I, I don't, I, I really don't know if this was, if it, I think it was the game, but I basically just got, you know, how you can zoom out and go back to your home screen and it freezes. Oh. Yeah, the game, the game also basically crashed for me. It was oh. like, okay, hard exit. So. <laughs> and I, and I panicked. And, but I also, to be fair, like, I, I honestly can't explain 100% what happened because it was one of those things where I was like, okay. I gotta finish the game because we have the podcast uh, coming up, and I kind of didn't notice what the hell happened. Mm. Like I was, I was grinding through the fight. I'm like, okay, this is gonna, and all of a sudden, it's gone. So mm-hmm. I think that's what happened, but I honestly don't know, which is so stupid and ridiculous. But like, I have to go back and watch a YouTube clip to know exactly how they did the crash, because I knew that I'd heard about the PC crash, and I was like, I, I don't know what, I don't think that's gonna be able to happen on. My Vita, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I wasn't playing. But I don't know. But I honestly don't know if that was. And I'm sure it was purposeful, but I I missed it. Like I I and yeah. Well, 
perhaps I should have been playing late at night after going out. And drinking, so that, that, that's also probably on me. But like it, it, it destroyed my mind when I was playing it last night because I just I could not fathom how it occurred. Yeah. Don't drink in games. Yeah. Don't do that. So yeah, I mean it completely. Um... I mean, I thought the game literally had crashed, right? So I was like, all right, yeah, well, that's, there's a, there's a <laughs> negative. Yeah, there's a negative in the in the box to check there. Um, but when you start it up, it, it kind of reloads with with Flowey yeah. saying, you know, the whole save thing. So <clears throat> I always reference. So for me personally, when games get kind of meta and and sort of interactive with how the the, the mechanics of the game itself work, right? I always mm-hmm. my, my reference it made it made date me a little bit, but. Um, I always think back to to the first Metal Gear Solid, right? Oh, totally. The uh, what is it, Psychomantis fight? Yeah, yeah. Where it just I was it just tripped me out. I was like, what is happening oh, right now? Oh, uh, yeah, that but, was a that's a mind bending moment <laughs> when I played that as a kid. Oh, I'm with you. That destroyed what I thought games could do. Right, it just it blew my mind back then. And um, when stuff like that happens, so like it happened with Undertale here at the end of, at the end of the game with that with that boss fight and the save states and mm-hmm. kind of just messing with you basically. Um, Kind of gives you know gives you a little chuckle you know kind of a, a reference back to, to to that for me personally yeah um, and I really enjoy that kind of stuff you know well and, and I think uh, and then Dom here I want to hear what you have to say on this too because I, I unfortunately talk too much but it's interesting because by referencing Metal Gear Solid uh, kind of what Dom he said before about how you're seeing a lot more meta commentary because it had an effect in games like an Undertale so people I think see that as now it's a viable option let's try and do it too. But you referenced a game that came out in 98, which means that that's a game that when it successfully did that weird thing, it was so shocking and so cool that it stayed with you, and that that is still your benchmark. It is for me, too. Both the mix of him reading the memory card and then the whole thing of switching controllers, yeah. uh, controller ports is crazy. still crazy. one of the most, <laughs> in terms of expectation versus reality of how it played out. And what you think is going to happen in a game versus how it actually uh, unfurls. I, I like that. That I could not stop talking to people about that in Metal Gear Solid for way too long back in '98. I mean, I probably was still talking about that fight until you know the early 2000s with PS2. I was just like, that's the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Because I didn't have uh, really any other Konami games, so I just thought it was the whole controller swapping thing. And then I remember going to a friend's house when they were playing it. And they played Symphony of the Night, and it makes a reference to that. Mm-hmm. I was like, "How does he know?" <laughs> Great that I was eight years old, so my my mind being blown was, you know, not exactly a hard thing. But it was still just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and that's not easy to do in games, especially with the lineage that we now have of how much is out there, how much really creative stuff is out there. I mean, it it, it amazes me that every year there are still games that surprise whether it be through mechanics or plot and all the rest of it. And yeah, in many ways, we're still in a very nascent form of the industry, but at the same time, a lot has been done. I mean, there's so many games that come out every year now that when something really shocks you in that way, it's memorable. And I think that's why people, when this game came out, even, you know, that's two years ago, and people still love it, but with Undertale, there was so much talk about this may be one of the greatest games of all time. I don't know if I, I would call it that, but I think it's this wonderful timepiece that wouldn't be as interesting if it came out 20 years ago. You know, it, it requires so many years of previous game development and design to have existed 
for all for a lot of its not the character charm, but a lot of its mechanic and how it screws with you, like what we're talking about with these meta choices, those all work because there's an understanding of how a game like this should play. Right. That isn't new, it's not even five years old, it's I mean it's it's what, thirty, forty years now? Or you know, going back to early turn based RPGs and all the rest of it, and your wizardries and blah blah blah. Even text based games. Like, there is an understanding of how this loop should progress. And this game, as you guys both experienced, and then I want to know how, you know, with the game crash and all the rest of it, how your final boss ending moments occurred. But, like, that whole thing is an exact F.U. to what you're used to. And that's the whole ending with Sans and being judged. It's like, everything that you expect a game like this to play, we are now going to penalize you for it. Because mm-hmm. why not? It's not the world that you're used to. We're in the underground. We're in a we're in a weird monster world. It's not what you expect. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just it's it's not easy to do, like you said. Uh, and like I, like I I'm with you with that on Rob on that one, Rob. But 98 is that Metal Gear Solid boss fight is still the pinnacle to me in my mind of expectations being destroyed. Now some people will say Metal Gear Solid 2 with that ending, but that's just dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's not really something you're doing. Whereas in Undertale and in that Metal Gear Solid moment, I think the fact that it's also you physically having to do something, as in the game crashing on you or having to move that controller into the second uh, controller slot. Right, right. All that stuff is weird. Or like finding even Meryl's codec number. Yeah. And if you ask the colonel, she goes, he, you know, he says, oh, it's on the back of the box. Yeah. You know, if someone downloads that game now, that joke doesn't work. Man, I, you I, have to actually look it up. I actually, I actually forgot about that now. Till you mentioned it, yeah, that, yeah, that, that won't happen again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you can't, you can't assume people are going to get a disc anymore. Hmm. Uh, you know, the freaks like me, we still do, but that's not a norm. That's not, in, you know, you can get things digitally, so that joke will not, or that moment cannot be done in that way. But yeah, I, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that it's. For as much as the industry does ape and copy what works, it goes to show that uh, really talented storytelling is still very hard to do. Mm-hmm. No matter, even if you have the perfect science of, I need X much combat, X much this, and you know a little bit of Y here, and that'll make the perfect game. Yeah, it works on paper, but you still need the right hands to make it happen. Yeah, the thing that um, actually the game that. Uh, Undertale reminded me a lot of with its like how it like turns on the player is Bioshock. <laughs> with that with Bioshock where they're like, would you kindly is mm-hmm. actually been like sort of like subliminal messaging and yeah. stuff and stuff like that. And like when Undertale turns around and it's like, oh love is actually level of violence and XP yeah. and EXP is execution button. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then even yeah, picking. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and also it's like it's like Bioshock is also a great example because that's a game that came around at a time when everyone's using cutscenes for major storytelling. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's basically a game where you're playing in the cutscenes, even if it's limited movement, it never cuts away except for the ending and that opening. So it's. And then everyone tried to copy that for a while to limited success, and now, you know, 
a lot of people have found a, a middle ground or have an idea of what they want to do. A lot of it's processing power and blah, blah, blah. But still, that established a trend because it was very much one of those firsts of, no, 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 keep playing. We can do dialogue in the background with a narrator talking to you and you're still fighting a big daddy or doing something else or finding your tapes in that world. And then, of course, how many games for how long since then to varying degrees of effect. It's like, oh, random audio logs here in the bathroom and throughout this world. <laughs> but it just goes to show that like those trends, once someone really nails it, everyone else watches, and rightly so. Yeah, I, yeah it's a really good call with Bioshock, actually. Yeah, and I feel like, um, I feel like that, that's a good phrasing for Undertale here, right? Where mm-hmm. it, really, it, it, it nails it, right? So mm-hmm. in, in such a small package... It's it's managed yeah. to it's managed to take these various tropes that that aren't you know necessarily new right um, mm-hmm. these mechanics uh, that aren't necessarily new but they they're done in such a way that it's amazing the impact that they have in such a small tiny little package like that you know oh my god you you just reminded me of one of the first I mean to call it a puzzle is not really even fair but it, it is a puzzle with the rocks early on and you have to push a rock onto a switch and it talks to you. Yeah. <laughs> and the rock's like, what? You want me to move? Okay, I guess I'll move. It only moves one slot. And you need it to move like four to hit a switch. So you go up to it again to get it to move. And it's like, oh, I need to keep moving. And then it moves in the wrong direction. <laughs> and then you have to go talk to it again. And it's like, oh, I didn't go the right way for you? God damn it. <laughs> Getting an exercise workout here. And then finally it goes and hits the switch. And you're like, okay, cool. I can exit the room. And then right before you do, it pops off the switch. You have to walk back to the rock. And ask it to kindly stay on the switch, and it's like, God damn it, human! Like, what? I just let me do my fine, fine, and and then you get to leave. But that's, I mean, how many hundreds, probably even thousands at this point, of games have rock pushing puzzles? And how many have you played? And you just know that in these games, you push your rock, you hit the switch, and you move on Zelda style. And yet, you have basically a uppity rock telling you, ah, I'm gonna do my own thing. <laughs> and getting annoyed that you keep asking exactly I don't like being pushed well, I'm going to do this on my own <laughs> that's, it's just it's so awesome and then the whole meta of I mean, again I, we're, we are going to kill that word by the end of this but of the fact that all these monsters are tasked with manning puzzles to trap a human <laughs> which gives this wonderful kind of coloring that in every game you've ever played with puzzles that yeah those guys are waiting for that one chance of a human that, oh, finally there's a human in my dungeon. And now all these puzzles that I've been waiting thousands of years with, they're finally <laughs> going to be useful. And now my life has meaning, because I legitimately... I mean, I think Sans is the one who says it, or Papyrus, but it's like, yeah, I've been waiting here yeah, they, for they, years. They, they literally have, like, at the beginning of puzzles, they literally have, like, wooden stands, like lemonade stands there yeah. as yeah. they're waiting for people to come through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just... It's so clever, and it's such a great ribbing on all that stuff. Huh. Yeah, I think some of the um, speaking of puzzles, some of the best moments to me were the puzzles, and and tying that back in with mm-hmm. um, papyrus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. One of one of them specifically. Um, you guys remember the tile, the color tile one, yes. where he, he's trying to exp- he explains to you how the, how it works, right? And you're like, all right, this uh-huh. color does this, this color does this, and then. A few seconds later, he explains it again, but it's different. The color and what he's saying, how the colors react, are completely different, kind of throwing mm-hmm. you completely off, and good moment and all that stuff. Then later on, towards the end of the game, you run into that same puzzle, and the game's kind of like, you remember how this works, right? All right, yeah. Have at it. Oh You're yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was 100 proofs ago. And then, yeah, she starts explaining it, and then all of a sudden she's just like, actually, screw this, you've done this before, yeah. you get it, go have fun. And then it's a puzzle you can't beat anyway, so you're just like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> Alright, because technically we've now, we've gone through the whole thing, so before we, you know, officially wrap this up, are there any specific moments that really got you or you thought were super, super cool? I've got a few, but I want to wait to hear what you guys uh, went through before I go to them. For me, one of the... I think just in general, I feel like how the game, like, despite all its, like, parodying and, mm -hmm. like, and like, all the commentary stuff, um, it was it was pretty heartfelt, especially towards the end. I really liked, like, uh, since I went with neutral route, I mm -hmm. guess, As like, Asgore wasn't, like, angry at me or anything, because I hear that if you go through the genocide route, that Asgore, like... Like when you enter his throne room, it's like, who is who is this monster that's like walking mm -hmm. to my throne room? But like, you know, just walking in with the neutral, the general like neutral reputation, he's like, mm -hmm. oh, hello there, I'm watering my flowers. Would yep. you like to have a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how it shows that he's like, you know, Asgore isn't this like evil, like supreme overlord. That's yeah. kind of sort of been hyped up to be. He's just some. He's just like. You know, just like an old man. Yeah, he's just actually a really good dude who thinks that that's what he has to do to save his people. Yeah, and like the whole, the whole backstory with you know Asriel mm -hmm. and the, and Chara and how and why Asgore turned uh, became this way. I thought that was pretty touching. Yeah, and that Toriel is actually his wife. That was their kid. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's there at the beginning in that parallel version of the other home, because she's just like, I don't, I just, I know why my husband's doing this, but I don't want it to happen. And the whole tending to the flowers and how their kid did that first, and that's why she's, yeah, super sweet. I mean, it's, it's incredibly touching. It's, oh, God. Yeah, uh, sorry. I don't want to get too emotional and gush too much. But but it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's so smart. And it... And again, after so much fun and goofiness in the game, then it's like, no, 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 let's let's actually make this very real for you. And then go have fun in a final fight. And the guy, I, I don't know if you had some of this dialogue, but going into that fight with Asgore, he's actually saying, I really don't want to do this, but I have to. Mm -hmm. I think we probably had similar dialogue. Yeah, which is so cool. And she's so like, nope, you got to do your thing. Have fun with it. How about you, Rob? Are there any specific moments before I start listing off some goofy things that made me happy? Um, well, Don kind of stole mine there. Um, there are so many, there are so many, uh, so many highlights in this game, really, right? Um, yeah, but, of course. But to kind of build on, or maybe add to um, Dong's, what you guys have just been talking about here, the way they did it, like the way they did it, right? So, you know, as you're as you're approaching the final area, the way they did it with the kind of sort of flashbacky type. Sequences mm -hmm. with the, it's just it's just with text obviously right, um, but at that moment at least for me at that moment it adds just so much you know depth to everything else right so at that at that up to that point you're kind of getting familiar with the world sort of getting familiar with how it works a little bit of the backstory yeah. um, but then all at once towards the end of the game there all this detail all this uh, this background is added and it mm -hmm. just adds that that just tremendous depth to um, just the, the world in general right. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a definitely a heartfelt, um, you know, heart heart you know, tugging at the heartstrings kind of moment 
um, as you're heading totally. to who 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 knows what. Uh, yeah. Expect you know certain doom probably what I expected. Um, but I, I thought it was a probably if not the highlight of of the game itself. Um, one certainly one of the highlights. And that final ball, that final final boss fight, that was the again the craziest thing, and completely impossible, yeah. completely impossible. <laughs> and how about the fact that because we did neutral and pacifist, none of us even had to deal with uh, the Megalovania finish? I know if you do the evil run, you kill everything. I guess it's Asgore who turns into it. I don't know because I didn't actually check it out. But the famous track from this game that everyone loved, uh, Megalovania is a track that only plays during that final boss fight of the evil ending. <laughs> it's an awesome track. If you haven't heard it, really go. It's the most awesome song in the game, but it's apparently a borderline impossible boss fight because you killed everyone, and it's basically just this torturous thing. It can be, but it's clearly punishing you for being such a, uh, a demon. I mean, even like, thankfully, none of us actually came into <laughs> contact with it because I've heard stories where it's just like you want to scream during that fight. It's just so hard. People suggest it's like no, 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 no. Just watch the YouTube. Thing. <laughs> Play the game the way you want to, and then just watch it on YouTube. Uh, it, if you go the like ultimate genocide route, that it permanently changes like every single ending you get after that. Even if you go like pacifist. Really? Yeah. Uh. Oh, that's so smart. And even if you're like. Even if you're apparently do the true reset thing, um, yeah. the game still remembers that you that one run. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys, uh, when you fought the two royal guards, the ones that block off the elevator and then you have to fight them later, mm -hmm. did you kill them or did you talk to them? I don't remember. Okay, then, I th then you maybe killed them because if you talk to them, it's a very hilariously wonderful encounter. <laughs> you... Basically, you have to shine uh, one of its number two's armor because number one, his armor is already super shiny. Mm -hmm. And as you shine the second guy's armor, it takes two times. It it's now taking off the dirt, so he's getting cooked from the heat in Hotland from the lava. <laughs> so he has to take off his breastplate, and then his compatriot number one starts sweating bullets because he's seeing his friend half naked. And the mercy option comes about because he tells the guy that he can't take it anymore and that he really like likes him. <laughs> and would they maybe would he maybe be interested in I don't know if you I don't know if you'd be into this bro, but like bro, if you'd like, we could get ice cream or something. <laughs> and then he gets super nervous and he's like, No, but you know, just kidding, bro, I got you. Ha 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 And then number two very quietly goes, I would like that. <laughs> Not... And then all of a sudden they're staring longingly in each other's eyes, and then you can finally do the mercy option to walk away. <laughs> no, I, I definitely did not get that scene. So, um, I, I remember the fight isn't though. That, but isn't that amazingly weird? <laughs> it's like, it's I remember even the just uh... a re an encounter like that. <laughs> I remember the, the 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 armor and shining. Was that was that one where you were able to get some healing stuff from that one as well? I can't I can't remember. Well, you know, some of the fights. Yeah, I think you so. Do some I think you so. do some actions and you get some healing stuff. Yeah, and you can get some healing by doing that in that the mini game thing of like hitting green right. uh, projectiles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally, exactly. I think I might I think I may have run out of patience on that one and just killed them. Totally, <laughs> but that, and that's that's what's interesting is that to your point from when we just when we started this whole thing, it's like it, it's easy to get impatient with a lot of those mechanics because just like I know I can kill you and move on, 
and it's going to give me experience, so why not? But the fact that so many little weird story elements can pop up, or dialogue options can occur from how you act, it then gives it a payoff that's not just, okay, cool, I didn't kill them. Like, even the writing for, God, I can't remember what it was called, like the Sunder King, or whatever the plane is, that uh, also, it's a monster that you encounter in the Hotland towards the end, and it looks like a jet airliner that has some right, weird yeah, face yeah. on it. And it's like slowly trying to creep up to you, and it's like giggling, yeah. and it just wants to touch you, and so you can get close to it without touching it, and then it's like, oh my god! And then the mini game is now touching its aura, basically, which is green, and you do it enough, and then it basically overheats from close contact, and then runs away. Yeah. It's like, so all of a sudden there's these weird story elements that kind of come about from all these monsters and how you interact with them. Like the little lava volcano guy... He just wants... He thinks that his lava heals. <laughs> so, apparently, he's just a really loving guy that doesn't realize he's killing you. And so, the act that you have to do is hug him. And then he gets so overwhelmed with love that once you survive the next bit, you can leave. But when you overwhelm him with love, he's actually trying to kill you. He just thinks, you know... According to the lore that they have in one line, he doesn't realize it. Like, it's just so delightfully absurd. Ugh. Yeah, but that, that that Royal Guard bromance may have been one of my favorite just random moments of, oh my god, I thought this was just going to be an encounter, and now there's this delightful story element. And then right before you enter the core, you see uh, the nice cream guy, and if you spared those two knights, they're standing right beside because they just got their nice cream oh, together nice. and they're having their date. And if you talk to them, they go... Oh, uh, you know, we're too busy to fight you right now. Don't worry about it, bro. <laughs> and, and if you talk to the ice cream guy, he's like, I'm out of ice cream. Finally, someone else bought my stuff other than you. So sorry. But I can give you a smile. And you're like, thanks. I wanted to kill you, you jerk. But again, I just... I was so impressed. And the fact that it's a short game... It's like, I, I'm, at, I'm now very interested in playing it again. And it's a game that I feel like you could... It, it wouldn't be hard. Like I always tell myself, this is me personally, that you know, I love a certain game. I'm gonna play it in like a year. I'm gonna play it again, and I do with some. But per your laugh, very accurately, it's like that rarely ever happens because games, a lot of them take a long time, especially if we're talking about mostly RPGs. Yeah. So it's not easy to do, but it really hits that sweet spot of not too long, not too short, and enough variance and interesting stuff going on that I really want to see different dialogue options, see different things. I mean, like, the first time I did... Sorry, I keep monologuing, but, like, the first time I did the, the Mediton game show, that first boss encounter in the lab, I didn't realize that Alphys was giving you the answers the whole time. Like, I didn't notice that at all. And then it was only after I, I died uh, in, the, in a random encounter afterwards because I forgot to save and heal up and I had one health when that quiz show ended the first time. I then go through and I was like, ugh, okay. Uh, it's these questions that I, like the, the one with all his, the ends that he adds to the end of his name and that stuff. I'm like, I don't know what I have to do. And then I start noticing that I'm being given the answers. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. That's so cool. And then it ties in plot-wise when you later find out that, you know, Alphys was programming Mediton to do all this stuff so that she could kind of earn herself a friend and hopefully convince you not to leave. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's so clever. Like, it's so weirdly touching. And now you feel bad for this scientist who just clearly is desperate 
for a friend, just like Papyrus was, but in a different way. And even with uh, with Undyne, I know you you killed him, Rob, or her, Rob. But in my fight, you escape. You I escaped. I escaped. I escaped. And you just have her keep chasing you. And then the kid that was following you and trying to see Undyne as well mm-hmm. basically gets in the way. You save him, and she's very confused. And then keeps chasing after you. Overheats. You give her a glass of water to revive her in her armor and then she just stares at you and very quietly walks away because she doesn't know how to deal with it because you just saved her and it did there's so much character in that moment in terms of development of what the dialogue you were getting during the fight and then that moment of just like the person i'm trying to kill is the person who saved me and even though my only purpose is to get this seventh soul for asgore like i i honestly even as that is my only purpose I clearly can't make that choice because of this act of kindness. And there's no dialogue. She just walks away. But it was that wonderful thing of good storytelling. It says everything it needs to. And it's a three-second moment. And then you just keep going. And the earnestness of that sprite that you're playing the whole time. And how you know people talk to you and you just have that dumb look on your face the whole time. <laughs> like I think that actually helps play into a lot of that humor and charm is that these people keep pouring out their souls to your sprite, and you just look at them with that dumb face. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so good. It's so ridiculous. So I have a feeling that we all liked this game. Absolutely. As a matter, as a matter of fact, I immediately, like as soon as I finished it, I started telling people who I knew hadn't played it yet, get this game now. Just go and get it. I know. Yeah. I've started doing that too. And of course, a lot of people are laughing at me like, dude, we did this two years ago. Go away. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, man, you don't understand. Like, no, we do. We, we did this two years ago. Stop talking. It's like, no, but okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm late to this party. It's been pretty cool to finally get through this. And I got to say, at least, like I said, playing it on Vita, uh, that port, that 2-4 uh, player, 4-2 player, whatever, that uh, wonderful group out of Japan... Like they did such an amazing, amazing job with the port. Uh, and the added shrine thing of uh, the dog shrine is apparently uh, a specific thing to the Sony port that I didn't actually see, but I've seen it in a YouTube clip, and it's the funniest trolling I think I've ever seen. So it's worth checking out. It's a dog shrine. I don't know where it is. And it might be where the orb was. It might just set up shop and you have to visit it later. But basically you keep going back I think you donate to the shrine money and each time there's more things in the shrine every time you come back and then eventually you spend god knows how much money to fully kit out the shrine and there's no reward (laughs) so it's just a giant troll thing maybe there's a trophy attached to it i don't remember that part but there's legitimately no reward (laughs) sounds sounds about right (laughs) it's just like a an added half hour of this is special content in this version of the game. Yeah, it's getting nothing. It's just a gag. <laughs> it's just one giant gag, which I think is freaking hilarious. But yeah, so uh, people, play Undertale. Take it from us, the non-expert experts, but seriously, play Undertale. It's, it's just a fantastic game. And check out Alana's review, because since what I think is really great about her review is since it was after the original hype of the game, I think it is a very, very honest portrayal of, of still how great that game is. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it came out, I think one of the reasons why I was a little turned, 
turned off was just the praise was so effusive and so strong that it felt like, okay, there's a little bit of the hype train here. I'll give it some space. But then when I read her review and I was like, oh, no, 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 clearly two years later, still just as tremendous. It's really, it's really special. It is all that everyone says this game is and more. Uh, so, yeah. This was episode 118. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Just a little bit of housekeeping for what's coming up next. Our next week's episode is going to be Chroma Squad, and we have Valkyrie Profile for February's game. We have a couple of bonus episodes coming in February as well. They're for animal lovers, so for anyone out there who loves their animals, get excited for those. Not going to tell you what they are, just know that that is a theme. Yay themes and yay animals. <laughs> You can always email us at retro at rpgfan.com with questions, concerns. If you hate me and never want to hear my voice again, you just let me know. We do read those, shocking though it may sound. Uh, comment on the boards, again, like I said, just with the RPG uh, email address. Just let us know what's going on. If there's specific games you want us to, to get to and talk about and all the rest of it, we do use all feedback uh, when we put together our polls. If you enjoy what you're listening to, please check us out on iTunes and give us a review uh, or whatever venue you're using for your podcasts. It seems like that's not a big deal, and I know we don't always say enough about it, but it's actually shocking how important those reviews are. It's just kind of like how every social media site likes or whatever the hell, or following people and commenting and retweeting, how that picks up traction. It's actually really beneficial, so if you could do it, that would be awesome. You don't have to give us a great review. You could tell us we suck. We've had that before. It's actually sometimes kind of awesome. Sometimes it's just hilarious. Sometimes it makes us cry. It changes depending on the review. Twitter and social media kind of things. Rob, where can people find you? Um, I really am not a social media kind of guy. So. Oh, well done, sir. Good for you. Be unplugged. I'm happy about that. I've done that with only a chunk of it, uh, but I still have to use it for promoting shows and things like that because it's a necessity in that sense. But... Can people find you? Uh, what's your handle on RPG Fan? Uh, it is Beardy McBeardface. There you go. So you can always ask Beardy McBeardface a couple questions through the forums. Mm -hmm. uh, how about you, Donny? How can people find you? Um, I search any on the forums and mostly lurk there. So you can come join the Discord channel, where I'm also DH Candy, and just have a quick, nice chat. Awesome. I'm. Uh, Chris Gebauer on Twitter. I'm also Chris Gebauer on the forums. I'm not that interesting and did not come up with a good name. I just used my own. So, can't really hide from you people. That's just what it is. But thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a great rest of your day.